Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Latinx Factor. I'm Yolanda Machado, your host, and my co-host is Griffin Schiller. Say hi. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So we are super excited because we're going to talk to one of my favorite people on the internet, in the comedy world, in everything in general, Christella Alonzo. Um, I'm so excited. She has a book coming out and there's so much that I read in there that I related to. Um, and I know you just did some quick fact research on her. Did, what was I the did. most? did. Yeah. What, what do you want to um, talk to her about? I, I think a lot of her upbringing was just uh, incredibly eye-opening and then just fascinating and seeing her perseverance uh, from a young age and seeing how this carried over into her career is... Uh, it's inspiring, truthfully. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, just like learning about her overall experience uh, and how she was able to bring that to her television show um, and how she's like advocating for uh, specificity, more of that so that, you know, she's telling her story, but she feels that like other stories need to be mm -hmm. told and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's so, so much. much here. The, for me, it's like I relate to her so much. And even though we come from totally different backgrounds, I grew up in L.A. She's from Texas. And right. Yet we have so many similarities, especially like the pop culture connection, yeah. the yeah. like uh, there's the political conversation, which is essentially like what I really love about her on Twitter. She's so vocal. Yeah. She's out there. So I'm uh, super excited to, and to introduce her to everybody, although every all of you guys should actually know who she is. And if you don't, watch. She has a special on Netflix called... She's also the... Oh, yeah. She's, sorry. Lower Classy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also going to say she's also the voice of uh, Cruz Ramirez in Cars, Cars 3. 3. That's yes. right. I forgot about that movie. How do you forget about Cars 3? Uh, to be fair... Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about no, that. But let's welcome Christella. I am so excited to talk to you, Christella Alonzo. You were actually one of my very first interviews when I started this Aww, crazy career. 2014. Yeah, I was on set. <laughs> uh, I was on set on that couch. Yes. And it was awesome oh. and I've loved watching your shows your comedy and now you have a book coming out yes I do music to my years yes and uh you're going back on tour with uh I I, I don't want to mess up the name but it's something like my affordable oh my affordable care act yeah that's the name of the tour yeah. my affordable <laughs> care act yay so tell us why did you write the book <laughs> you know there's a couple reasons but honestly I'm gonna be like straight up honest um 
because also um spoiler spoiler alert Yolanda's Latina Latinx and mm-hmm. um you know <laughs> you know trust I, when I was reading your book I was like yup 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 um I wanted to write my book because for several reasons a big one was that um after my TV show was canceled uh, for those of you unfamiliar the show was called Cristela after me so that I got the part um yeah. <laughs> After the show was canceled, um, you wouldn't believe how many people didn't believe I wrote on the show, that I wrote my show. Because um, it's this really typical thing where in my situation, they thought that my co-creator, the white guy, did. So what happened, usually what happens when someone's in my position, um, they end up getting maybe like an overall deal, like a, like a pod deal or something, which basically means, for those that don't know, um, that... A studio will sign you to create or develop ideas, you know, which was always my goal has always been that. And I've written about it online. My goal has always been to have a production company that really, really creates and develops voices that are not heard. Because obviously, aside from stand up and acting and writing and stuff, I'm really active in the community, like in advocacy. Mm -hmm. And with the advocacy, you meet communities that are completely unseen and unheard of. Mm -hmm. So when I meet these people on the road and become friends and they become family, I see their stories and I want to tell their stories. So after the show got canceled, I wanted to develop shows. But I didn't want to necessarily develop my own shows, you know, because for me... I only want to do things that matter to me, mm-hmm. you know? So like after the show was canceled, everybody kept saying, you got to do another show. You got to do another show. ABC canceled my show. ABC immediately, um, ABC offered me the view and I said no to the view because I didn't want to do the view. <laughs> it just wasn't my thing. Like I didn't want to do it full time yet. I, st- you know, I still had a lot of things to do. And then ABC, when they realized that I didn't want to do the view, they asked me to come pitch another show to like get back on the air Mm -hmm. and I was like oh no like you guys had the show I I loved like I'm not giving you another show it doesn't work like that with me um so when I realized that people didn't think that I wrote my show I'm like oh okay well I'll show you and it's that thing where it's like you know I'm used to working twice as hard for the you know almost the same recognition as everybody else girl so exactly (laughs) right preaching to the choir like you know Mm -hmm. like insert clap emoji yes yes yeah you know Mm so so for me, I wrote the book because I wanted people to read about my life, my experience through my voice. I also wanted to show that um, I'm a very average person in a way that uh, I like things that a lot of people like. You know, it, it really frustrates me. I am one of, if not always, the first Latina to do something when I do something. hmm that sucks. You know, it sucks because you're being you are being um, judged on a different level. Yeah. First of all, Latinos want you to be perfect all the time. That's impossible because Latinos are so different. And I, I say this for years. It's like Latinos are called Latinos, but there is no country named Latinolandia. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my experience, I'm a Mexican-American. I'm first generation. Like my parents were from Mexico, you know, um, my experience is my experience. I can't even talk for all Mexicans. 
You know, it's because when I moved to L.A., I realized, oh, my God, like L.A. So Mexicans. Are do- yeah, you know, it's I had no idea, you mm-hmm. know, because you grow up with your family and your like, you know, your community and you think, oh, this is how it is. And then it wasn't until I was an adult that I, I had to really learn the, the, the difference in the community. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Latinos want to be represented so much that every opportunity that comes at them a lot of them feel that it has to be perfection. So, you know, it's like... That wasn't my experience. That's not my family. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's that thing where I'm like, well, yeah, but when I was a kid, I used to watch Roseanne and I didn't say, oh, that's every white woman in the world. You know, like, why do they get to have different stories, but we have to represent everybody? It's funny because I used to think Roseanne was like my mother. My, my, that's why I watched Mm -hmm. Roseanne. My family was like Roseanne. We struggled. We were blue collar. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and... I connected with her. You know what I mean? It, I connected with her because of the, the family status, you know, everything. So the book for me was to, when I say that I wanted to show that I was average, Yolanda, I'm so, I'm so sick and tired of just, it's always the same perspective. It's always the same narrative. It's always, you know, it's like, look, we got like, um, you know, like we got families in cages. We got undocumented. Uh. We got DACA. We got everything. Um, I even tweeted it this morning. I'm like, my brother became a naturalized citizen three years ago. And even he was saying, like, it took him 30 years to become a naturalized citizen, right? Oh, wow. And even he was saying, you know, I get so I get so sick and tired of showing the undocumented people, like, we're all hiding in a cave, mm-hmm. you know, just sad, you know. He's like, look, there's been moments when I've been worried and scared, but I also like to smile and yeah. I like to laugh and I like music and I like, you know, and yeah, it's, it's a- the, the whole trauma porn thing. Like, yeah. For some reason, we are the only stories we can tell have to be those sad ones that we overcome on yes. undocumented status or some racism stuff. It's yes. like, can't, can't we just be like fucked up like all the rest? Yeah. Of you are? yeah. And, <laughs> like- and, and also at the same time, it's like, you know, um, yeah, it's like, why can't we ever be happy? Like, my mm-hmm. whole thing is, um, when I tell people, when I tell certain people that I like certain things, people will have a moment where they're like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. Like, if I tell people that I like to hike, whoa, you hike? It's Oh, yeah, yeah, like, I walk. Like, <laughs> I have the ability to walk with people. Like, I go through, just like you. Like, you know, so my book was all just a kind of reminder of like, hey, if you read the book, you might not be Latino. You might not be a female. But there's things in it that you'll resonate mm-hmm. with. You'll resonate with um, family, friendship, struggles, uh, health issues, both mental and physical. I mean, you know, there's so much in there that connects with people. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why I picked music. Because I love music. Yeah, I listen to hours of music every day. I'm that person that when they play something anywhere I'm at, everybody always has to talk about how I know the words to every song, you know, because I I love it. <laughs> it's funny because so Griffin is much younger than I am. Yes. <laughs> Please keep reminding me. How, yes, how, how yes, old yes. are you, Griffin? 24. 
Oh my god! He's a baby. Oh my god! I was about to have. I was like almost quinceanera, quinceanera age when you were born. Like I'm forty. <laughs> I'm forty two. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm forty, not two forty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. Yeah. But I showed him the titles. I'm like, tell me which one of these you know. He actually knew a lot of. Yeah, those. I'm not. I'm not like uncultured. Like I do know what a lot of those songs are though. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're uncultured. <laughs> I, I, you know, I probably am, but uh... no, 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 not at all. Well, he didn't know who Selena was, so. I, I look. We're at the point now when, when you say Selena, you're like Gomez, and I'm like, oh, have yeah. some respect for your elders. <laughs> like, let me get my cane over here. No, I know. I'm like, oh my God, no me queda más with you. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I made him listen to Bitty Bitty Bomb on the way yeah, over. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah that was it's like, weird. Did you have questions like, what does this Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb mean? No, like, what does I this just, mean? I, I just kind of like. Uh, Took it. I was just kind of like, yeah, all right. You took is, it? Yeah, like, like, yeah, like, like you're like, being punished? Like, I like was you're beating him. Punished, like, I was well, beating him over you know, there. I was Selena listening to this song and I just accepted <laughs> it as my fate. Yeah. I was just like, oh, we yeah. all got to have these moments. I mean, she she made it very clear from the second I got in. She was like, hey, listen, it, this is a musical only or, or like whatever kind of car. And if you don't like it, then you can get out. I will leave you on the side <laughs> of the road. Yeah, basically. I was just like, okay, well, I can either listen to this or I can walk home so I feel like <laughs> listening to this isn't the worst punishment yeah but I picked terrible though no it wasn't it was fine yeah. I did but I ended up picking music because I'm like that is the equalizer for a lot of people yeah. yeah you don't have to be a certain race a certain social class a certain anything to love music like you can love the same song for different reasons and that's mm-hmm. what makes music so magical and so wonderful is that it can remind me of a different time than it reminds you but we both have those extreme emotions yeah. when we hear certain songs, you know, mm-hmm. and I love that. I'll tell you when your book hooked me was the intro uh, where you talked about something about casseroles. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are casseroles? I actually asked him, like, what yeah. is a casserole? Because I've never had one. I've, I've never had one. I've never had one. So what is a casserole? I, I know. I My like token gringo. I, and I, yeah. I, like, I had to think, like, long and hard about this on the way over because, like, I don't, I don't even fucking know what it is. It's, it's like, it's like lasagna, but, like, it doesn't always have, That's like, That's exactly what she yeah. said. Yeah, it, it basically, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what I wrote in the book. I'm well, like, I think were, it's like lasagna, but like not really. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just I, like I still don't know what it is. It's just like a baked <laughs> thing that you like put in the oven. But it's it, just like, is it like a mishmash of things? Yeah, like, a little right? bit. Yeah, like so. There's. Uh, I mean, around Thanksgiving, like green bean casserole is really popular. What's and, like, in the, Okay, well, obviously there's green beans in the casserole, yeah, but I'm, what else? It's mainly like green beans. Uh, there's like sometimes like fried onion crisps on this top is of it. This fascinating and then, like, to there's, me. Like, I know. I, I don't know what else goes into the middle of it because I don't right, make right, it right, myself right, right. and my family didn't really grow up having it. But, right. Um, yeah, and so there's stuff like there's like tuna noodle casserole, which is like tuna with noodles. So it's like yo, you know, they bake the tuna. They bake the tuna. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, wrong like, with I white people? It, but, uh, yeah, Dude, I like I always thought tuna was like my first, you know, like my first foray into sushi. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, you eat tuna raw <laughs> with like, uh, with limon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yes, yeah. all day. Tuna with day. limon, just yes. Yeah, yes. but I had to ask. I was like, I still don't know what a casserole is. Yeah, I'm it's like, kind I, of interesting, I had right? my first peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly sandwich when I was like 19 years old. I was like 25. Yeah, I, I never grew wow. up with peanut butter and jelly. No, like, and it's weird because see, that's the thing is that people assume it's it's a weird thing because people assume that if you live in this country, mm-hmm. you're exposed to certain things, and it's inevitable that you're exposed to certain things. I wasn't. 
my Same. ex-boyfriend is the one that gave me my first peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, and he's like, oh, you ha- you've never had one? He gave me my first milkshake. He gave me, like, there's a lot of things that I didn't grow up with. I, I didn't grow up, grow up with, with any processed foods because my I, I grew up in uh, a multi-generational household. Yeah. So my grandparents lived with us until I was about 14 years old. My mom was a single mother, so there's yeah. three of us. And there was never processed food. My mom did not introduce fast food into our diets until my grandparents moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, because they ran away because of the earthquake, the Northridge uh-huh. quake. Yeah. Um, so they went further inland. And my mom was like, well, I'm not cooking every day now that right. your grandma's not here. So she would buy like, you know, whatever, burgers or whatever. Pizza was still not considered food. Right, so right, we right. Never, I didn't have pizza until I was in like at school when they had a pizza party. I was like, oh. My mom was a me- <laughs> like a cook at a Mexican restaurant, so we never ate out. Like, yeah. never. So it was like this thing where, like... I'm not even kidding like first of all because we come from I come from a Mexican family all the Mexican all the food we had was Mexican food because we're Mexican Mm -hmm. so we cook it right but like every day like I was raised on food stamps Mm -hmm. so you know we were limited on what we could do so at the beginning of every month you'd get like the big like you know the the 10 pound bag of beans and rice and stuff beans and rice every day of our lives like i always tell people like my family we were vegetarian because it's nicer than saying you couldn't afford meat but yeah no it, it's but it's interesting yeah. how you know in this you know it's weird how that's what i think is so fascinating is that like you and me we're talking about how we weren't exposed to things like peanut even though butter we were born here. Yeah, you know, but mm-hmm. it, but it wasn't our life, you no. know. And it's so interesting how, even you know, as an adult, I'm learning so many things that I feel like a kid. Yeah. at times, you know, and sometimes I've, I I want to say that I, it depends on what it is, but sometimes I'm embarrassed to say that I've never had it because I always hate the face that people give me when they're so incredulous that I've never tried it. You know what I mean? Because it's what they consider part of American culture. Exactly. Like, why is not what my experience, I'm like, I'm American. I was born here. I was born in L.A. Like, why why can't you, why didn't you eat? Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, My my family's Peruvian. My dad was Mexican, but I didn't grow up with him. So I had, like, um, chicharron con uh, camote frito. That was our breakfast. And I I still, like, it boggles my mind. I'm like, well, why is that not considered American? I'm American. See, and it's so interesting because you say Peruvian, and I'll tell you that, like, I know very little about Peruvian because Mm -hmm. I rarely meet Peruvians, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, when I meet, when I meet other, like, when I meet Latinos, especially from, like, other countries and what have you, it's like, I always want to know, but I always have to tell people, like, it's almost like I give them a warning, like, look, if I ever generalize and say that I did something and I assume you did it, correct me. If I don't know what you're talking about, I'll always ask questions because I like learning the differences. Mm-hmm. I think the differences are, are kind of what makes it fun. Especially, it is, you know, especially when you find a little connective yeah, tissue. Well, well, I love when, you, when, when I find out that uh, different cultures have the same thing, but we call it different. Yeah. I, I, that's one of my favorite things. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. Say, uh, I, ever since I, once I started traveling, I started realizing more and more like the differences between the cultures. Oh, but, yeah. And then I realized how in the United States, like they can't identify us so they just put us on this huge umbrella which adds to the problem of representation because people want to see their actual identities represented like 
it, it's so complicated. Yeah. And like, but I applaud you for like going out there and doing it. You were one of the first, and now there's more. There's yeah. not as much as there should be, right. but there's more. And I remember you had Gabriel Iglesias mm-hmm. on your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he has his own show on Netflix. Yeah. And yep, he does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's actually um yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, one thing I did a panel. I want to say in 2015, that really opened up my eyes a lot. It was at the Ford Foundation in New York City. It was me and it was uh, Jeff Yang, whose son, Hudson, is the kid on um, Fresh Off the Boat. Mm -hmm. Now, we both started, the show started the same year. It was interesting to see our journeys with Fresh Off the Boat and with Cristela. Mm -hmm. Because what I learned in that panel was that Fresh Off the Boat was actually really supported by the network because the head of casting and the head of comedy were both Asian. Oh. So they understood what Fresh Off the Boat was trying to tell. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. So it was weird because they were allowed to to tell stories that seemed kind of familiar mm-hmm. because the head of casting and the head of ca- like a comedy were both Asian. Yeah. I didn't have anyone... Latino on my side. So every step that I did, I had to fight to prove that my life was my life, mm-hmm. which is really hard because then you start thinking, how is one allowed to be creative and have freedom to tell stories if you're constantly trying to tell these stories while explaining them to other people and trying to prove to them that they're real stories? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was such an eye opener. And that's when I realized like, the reason we don't have enough you know, diversity, more accurate representation, and by accurate I just mean like resembling life, is because we don't have executives and higher ups that are, mm-hmm. you know, that are certain, you know, demos that we want to focus on, you know, because hey, if I'm an executive and I get a Latino or Latina, like Latinx person coming into into the office and they're pitching something that I'm like, oh yeah, like yes, mm-hmm. yes, I get it. Like I'm excited. I will fight for you. That's the story, like I, I've spoken to Tanya Saracho before, you yeah. know, Vida, and there's an executive, Marta Fernandez, mm-hmm. at Stars, who basically fought for that show yeah. because she knew that. And it does take having someone, a gatekeeper, being there fighting for you, opening the door and saying, yes, this is needed. Yes, I understand this. Yes. And like, it really, it makes me sad that you like that because your show was great. Oh, thank you. Like, it was one of the few times I actually did. Because there was what it was a like multiple families yeah, living yeah, yeah. together. I'm like, that's my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I had my abuelas, my tios, whichever yeah. one was single was living with us at the time. Absolutely. Uh, then it was my brother and my sister. Eventually, my stepdad is like, I, I was never home alone. Is what I'm saying. No, totally. um, so, like, do you think that's changed at all? Like, or is it still still going so slow? Because I mean, there's still not not enough out there. I'll be honest. I think that. I think there really is not much movement. I think, you know, and I hate saying this, but at the same time, fuck it, I don't. Um, The problem with a lot of movement is that we're only allowed to tell stories that are reflected in the media, predominantly news. Mm. So I think that a lot of uh, projects, a lot of stories that have been allowed to be told in the past couple of years 
unfortunately, is thanks to undocumented DACA. You know, like because the people that are not familiar with Latino culture, mm-hmm. that don't have friends or family, you know, that that are in the culture, you know, they get their news from the news. They get their experience from the news. Mm-hmm. So all they see is that all we are are undocumented DACA people, you know, yeah. or like if we're born here, we are our parents are, are not from here. You know what I mean? It's like it's always very like that's all we are, we are. I keep telling everybody. I don't know what it was, but Latinos won the lottery for immigration. Like, you know, there are people, there are immigrants from all these other countries, which I think we have to focus on, too, because when you assume that Latinos are the the main face of Mm -hmm. immigration, you're actually erasing the story of other people from other countries. True. You know, so like Mm -hmm. what we have now is that in the past couple of years, we've seen this emergence. How many shows have you not seen with Latino people that don't have a DACA story? Or they that don't have, you know have what I mean? One. Yeah, you know, but mm-hmm. but it's like for me, um, example. My I come from a mixed status family, right? So that means half of us were undocumented, half of us were not. Um, my mom trying to become a a resident alien. My mom and my brother, and I, I always use it because that's what what was on the card. It said resident alien. <laughs> my right? stepdad had one of those. Yeah, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. it's like like that was uh, something that was a big part of their lives. You know, like my mom's life. But man, I mean, how many times do I mention it in the book? None. No. Because I'm. I really want to focus on the actual heart of what we were talking about. You know. Yeah. So for me, an example is. If I wanted to tell a quote unquote Latino story, if I had a show right now. What's a Latino story? Exactly. Like for me, my example would be uh, like I write uh, like I I write about in the book. My mom found out she had high blood pressure. We couldn't afford the medication in the United States because it was $50 a month back like late 80s. So because we grew up in a border town, we would go to Reynosa, Tamaulipas, the sister town where we lived in, and um, we'd go on Mondays, my mom's day off. We would buy um, the blood pressure medication for three, four dollars a box. Mm -hmm. That to me is a Latino story that I would tell. But you know what? I hear it from so many people. They just go down to Mexico, especially in L.A. But but that's my point is mm -hmm. that like you hear from so many people that for me is a, a a Latino story that's personal to me. But here's the thing. Not only Latinos do that. Exactly. You know, so for me. I had a me, friend go down to TJ to get his dental work a, uh, yes, a year ago. Absolutely. He's like, he made a weekend out of it. He's like, oh, I got it done and then came back. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I, it's very common. And uh, for me, it's like, in my example, why is that story about my, my mom with the blood pressure medication? Why is that a Latino story? Because we're Mexican. You know what I mean? Like, that's what makes it a Latino story. Mm-hmm. I can talk about it with truth. I can talk about it personally because I lived that. Like, I know what the struggle is. I can find the humor in it. But that doesn't mean that, like, you know, for me, if I was born here and my mom's struggling to become a resident alien back in the day, like, I don't really know her journey. And, you know, it's like for me, there are other people telling that story. For me, I'm like, what else isn't being told that people can connect with, you know? Mm-hmm. So the reason that we don't have more movement is because I don't think that we still have the opportunity. We don't get the chance to prove to ourselves, to everyone, which is sad that we have to. We don't get allowed to prove to people that we are just like everyone else. 
until we are get until we get to have the chance to be seen as human, as regular people, we will never be able to move forward because they will always the people will always have assumptions about what we are, and the assumptions assumptions are not facts; True. they're assumptions. Mm-hmm. Yay! I think um, I think this is a good part to do a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. But all that is so true, which is why I'm going to go back and we're going to talk about your upcoming stand-up tour. Yeah. Um, because lately there's so much going on with stand-up comedy. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you saw everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's um, – it's just really interesting, I guess, the the kind of uh, battle, I guess you can say, that a lot of comics are facing um, just because of the – current climate we live in mm-hmm. uh, like you know you see like Sarah Silverman defending the uh, what was the guy who got he was like on SNL but then he got Shane, kicked because he was Shane something yeah Shane so were, I, I don't want to repeat his name because I got lots of uh, interesting emails and comments yeah. about my sure, comments right <laughs> but, I mean it just and then obviously uh, Dave Chappelle and his his mm-hmm. stand-up oh, yeah. set and mm-hmm. I it's just one of those things where it's like uh, for you as a comic mm-hmm. um how how do you see this? Like, wh- what to you is is pushing the boundary the right amount, and then like also, you know, keeping it in tune with like the current uh, times that we live in. I mean, considering your stand up tour, what it's called? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you know, um, I always say that um, the point of doing stand up is to be honest. You have to be your own honest self. Having said that. Never say or do anything on stage that isn't you because you will never apologize for being yourself. Having said that, I will tell you, um, for me, you know, when people consider edgy or whatever, that's all subjective. Uh, But if you're deliberately trying to be edgy, that's when you kind of know you're already betraying what the art form is. Mm-hmm. The art form, I mean, when I see stand-up, it's about holding a mirror to society and making fun of what we're living in in a way that that's fun, you know? But, you know, it, it's this thing where, um, to me, I've never had a problem with it. I'll tell you what, though. I think that um, I know that I don't have a clean record in my past because of because of the time it was back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's that thing. You know, like when you see old sitcoms yeah. and you see certain yeah. jokes and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, they would, I, you know? I have a 12-year-old daughter and let me tell you, the perspective of watching certain things with her has blown my mind. Like, she'll turn <laughs> sure. to me, she's like, that's so racist, mom. Yeah. yeah. That's like, why are they so ter- terrible to women? Like, she's, she does not understand how certain things we found so funny and having to explain to her, you know, well, that was a time period then and me cringing inwardly, like, how did I love this? (laughs) No, yes. (laughs) But see, and see, and uh, you know, this goes actually into uh, when people talk about cancel culture, you know, they Mm -hmm. always talk about uh, cancel culture, the problem. And the problem is 
Um, it's not cancel culture. Mm-hmm. The problem is when we name things certain things, we have opinions about them because now they have a name. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be clear. Cancel culture means that uh, they don't like what you said and you weren't sorry you said it. You haven't learned anything from it and you admit you, you fail to admit that maybe there's an ounce there where you should reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Now, again, for me. I don't have this record of saying a lot of like it's not like a, like I'm known for saying anything like that. If I ever did, it was probably something that I would probably cringe at now. Mm-hmm. If I was reminded of it, I wouldn't remember. But it's this thing where for me, if you're caught saying something that now is considered offensive, I think that we should be allowed to um, accept people's apology. Mm-hmm. See how they have evolved, you know, because if something happened 10 years ago and they haven't said anything like that before and, you know, maybe they didn't didn't even remember that they said it because mm-hmm. it was such a rare thing. I think we could give them another chance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, if they mess up again, then we have a problem. Yeah. But if you're consistent, if that's your thing. Yeah. And then, you know, you refuse because for me, it's like, look, all people want is just for you to show that that you're a human being. You know, it's not that you, it's not that people are necessarily sensitive, though some are And that, you know, I mean, look, this is the part of social media that, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. some people, <laughs> some people just, they get offended because they want to have that apology and it's like, and who are you? Why am I apologizing to you? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if there's a culture, like a whole community that's saying like, yo, that was not cool. Yeah. Sheer numbers should say, Maybe I should rethink this. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's funny. Like, for me, I'm like, I don't care what you say. I don't care how edgy you are. I don't care how offensive you are, blah, blah, blah. If you can tell me why you did it at the time you did it, Mm -hmm. and you're unapologetic about what it is because it's your true self, go with it. You know, there's always going to be someone that likes that. I just don't like the references, like, with the Shane Gillis thing. Yeah, Yeah. They were like, well, you know, what if... People would cancel George Carlin today, or uh, what you call it, Andrew Dice Clay, right? And uh, it was—it's like, well, you're referencing comics from the yeah. '80s and '70s, yeah. and yeah. and uh, and obviously, like for the ones that reference George Carlin, I'm like, obviously, you didn't listen to his comedy, right? Because he was way more—he would actually—he's—I consider him way PC, honestly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's grouchy old man, but super liberal. Yeah, and um. I don't, I'm like, I don't think shouting racist stuff or like mocking an entire community is comedy. No. Um, also, when you say that, it's like when, when people say like, well, George Carlin and da da da, it's like saying, well, you know, Tiger Woods couldn't have golfed, you know, back in the day if we still had the rules because black people had different water fountains. And it's like, yeah. And we realized we were dicks for doing that. Yeah. Like, you know, like the country realized that's not cool. Like they realized like, hey, apparently uh, it turns out that people are all fucking people. You know what I mean? It's like just because certain wars existed and everything in the past doesn't mean that we use them as a reference. And we're like, well, you know what? We tried to do this. And yeah, but it was wrong. That's why it stopped. You know what I mean? It's like, like, I mean, just accept it. And honestly, why even like, why are you so personally affected by it? You know, like the thing with like, like Shane. That's my new thing. I'm like, you know, he's not going to love you. Yeah. like (laughs) For me, it's like when I saw it happening, I'm like. You know, I'm like, wow. Like, like that's all I, 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 I'm like, never heard of him. Didn't know who he was. For me, look, 
let's be real. I, I even write this online. I talk about it all the time. SNL, they let Trump host in 2016. So let's not pretend that SNL is this like incredible fucking like, you yeah. know, religious experience, the pious, you know, like, th- look, they let Trump host SNL in 2016, despite my friend Juan Escalante turning in 500,000 500, signatures of Latinos that protested it. Yeah, I Latinos that. protested outside the, the studio. They still let him host because Lauren didn't give a shit. So the fact that someone like Shane got hired, pretty par for the course, you know? Yeah. So, like, the fact that they fired him, I'm like, okay, so why did you fire him, but why did you let Trump host? Because, yeah. you know, it's like, this is what you are. And again, yo, I, if this is who you are, which you showed me in 2016 when you let Trump, after he called Mexicans rapists, you know, like, after he started vilifying my people, if you let him host... Then why the fuck all of a sudden do you have like this, you know, do you have this morality where you're like, oh, well, that was wrong. Yeah. You know what? That was also wrong, too. And now he's the president of the United States. Ah, yeah. So I I guess we can we we, we should yell at Lauren because it's his fault that Trump is here. (laughs) No, it's so much media's fault. So much. I remember all that. You you know, the problem is, especially like this round, like. I support Joaquin, uh, Julian Castro, right? Yeah, I'm which big, I wanted like, to talk to you about, yeah, too. Like, so like, I support Julian Castro, and everybody tells me, why do you support Julian, da-da-da, he's not, like, one of the top three, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's exactly why, actually. See, like, I love politics. In theory, for what it should represent, I, I fucking love it. You know, and for me, we know who the people are fawning for. You know, people love Warren, people love, there are people that love Biden, there are people that love Bernie, you know. But I'm like, hey, there are other candidates that I really want people to listen to. So mm-hmm. I throw my support to someone that I believe in, whose ideas I think are great, mm-hmm. because I, I think he needs a shot yeah. to be heard. So, you know, it's this thing where people treat politics like it's sports. They're on team something, <laughs> And, you know, like they're on team something. And if I don't like what your candidate said, boo, boo. Like we treat we treat the election like it's the Super Bowl and whoever candidates, uh, you know, whatever candidate wins, they won the Super Bowl. Like that doesn't mean that the the supporters get to rule anything for a year. You know what I mean? That just Mm -hmm. means that somebody won. So for me, I'm like, yeah, I know who the three front runners are. I like Warren a lot. I, I wanted her to run last you know, election, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But for me, Julian, like, Julian, I heard at the DNC back in 2012. That was seven years ago. I've been a Castro fan for seven years, both Joaquin and Julian. I loved what he said. It gave me chills. It's back to the representation. Like, mm-hmm. he was a Mexican-American from San Antonio, Texas, four hours away from where I grew up. Like, I couldn't believe that someone like me had a chance to speak on a national stage. You know, so for me in this election, I was like, I'm Team Julian until Julian is not in the race anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I am Team Julian. And even then, I will be Team Julian if he wants to run again. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, But, you know, like, for me, it's like, yo, like, hey, can we just just take a second to realize that um, we started out with, like, almost, like, 22 Mm-hmm. Candidates for like for the for the, like every Democrat was yeah. running yeah you know, yeah everybody you yeah. know and now we're down with like the next debate right now so far has eleven yeah you know what I mean so mm-hmm. it's it's like look can you name the nine 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can name five. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> and, but it's this thing where it's like, why do we give so much attention to the people that are already, it's like, they don't need it. Yeah. You know, it's like, can we just make it a, can we just make it an even playing field a little bit more mm-hmm. and bring in people's ideas so that maybe the older established people like a Biden mm. might know that there's there's a group out there that really they want to listen to different to uh, different ideas we have different thoughts it's what we're saying back to the comedy thing you know it's like, yeah. like like back in the day some of their ideas might have made sense but you're also older mm-hmm. so you have to evolve with the ideas because in theory, what we're doing in this country, supposedly, but we don't, you know, like, you know like, we're supposed to be a democracy and represent the majority of people. But if you're not listening to progressives or you're not listening to people that have new ideas, then how the fuck are you going to represent them? Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break right there with the next sponsor, uh, because we're going to follow up with that. Definitely. I want to hear more about Julian Castro, because I, 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 I don't know that much about him. All right, so we're going to take a quick break right now, but we'll be back with more Christella in a few. And we're back, and we were talking just about politics, and I know uh, I've been following you on Twitter forever. We followed yeah. each other even when before your old account that got deleted. Oh God, I don't know girl, what happened there. Thoughts and prayers. Well, you know, I took <laughs> RIP like, for real, like light a candle. I... I was really messed up mentally last year where I, you know, again, I have anxiety, I have depression, and it, I just went through a really bad bout. And this is this is uh, before I was on any medication. Mm-hmm. So it really got me hard. Um, social media can be so brutal. Yeah. You know, that um, I decided to just, you know... Um, close Especially down if my, you're a woman of color. Yes, God. you know, like, so it's like I, I closed down my Twitter... Like, as a break. I took a sabbatical, right? And uh, I waited five weeks and then came back to log in. And my account was gone. And, like, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't access it. Nothing. Like, I I think I spent, like, a month and a half trying to get it. I involved my agents. I'm, like, with WME. Like, WME got involved. Like, they're trying to figure it out. And Twitter told me that they have this rule Oh my God! I know, I know. Jack and his rules. Twitter has this rule that if you your account is inactive for more than four weeks, they delete everything. So all of my followers were gone. I want to say I had like sixty thousand last, like like with the last one. Now I'm like at seven, sixteen or something like that. Sixteen thousand. Twitter's like, it's this rule we have, man. If you don't touch your account for a month, it's just gone. And I was like. Get the like, hell so out of my take face! A break? Like, I <laughs> like my god. So I had to start all over. But yes, yes, we follow each other. We've been following each other for a long time, and you have you were an early supporter of Julian Castro. Yes, I will be honest. I did hear him speak mm-hmm. at the DNC. I thought he was great, but then because he's not, I'm in this big blue bubble of California, so sure, like, of I don't really hear much other than what Adam Schiff yeah. oh, Adam Schiff is like the bit, yeah 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 um, and, and honestly Adam Schiff's a, a big one I mean yeah. he, he's heard a lot because of where he's at what like the commission that he, he had mm-hmm. like yeah I get it so what is it I mean besides the representation yeah. factor tell me why Julian is your guy because uh, be honest I'm listen I'm everything yeah. that you retweet or you talk about I'm like I see it I get it right now I'm like I'm still on the fence. Yeah. So basically, the reason that I liked Julian 
is because um, he's very policy driven. And that's a lot of the credit that Warren gets. Mm -hmm. What I found very frustrating, um, he was actually the first one to release like an immigration plan that was like before anybody. He was the one that opened it up and basically said, you know, we're like, we're going to take care of like the family separations. We're not going to make uh, coming here a crime. You know, we're going to decriminalize that, blah, blah, blah. So what he did with that plan, he actually made other candidates change their positions mm. because people really responded to his immigration reform program, like a plan, you know, so everybody like some, I want to say that there were like two candidates that actually switched on the debate floor, the first debate Interesting. because, because of what he was, what he laid out. What frustrated me is that I want to say that then Warren put out a, a plan mm -hmm. like a couple days later and she got credit for putting out the immigration reform because obviously she's more amplified. Again, I love Warren. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's, I'm not saying like she came in and stole his thunder, like whatever. Yeah. But like his policies have been very specific and they've been very intentional. So like right after he announced his candidacy, he announced it on C-SPAN. The next day, um, most people go to the battleground states and they start canvassing. He went to Puerto Rico. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, that was his first stop. His first stop was to go talk to people that survived the hurricane. You know? And for me, that said a lot. Because, let's face it, Puerto Rico, constantly forgotten about, treated like complete second-class citizens, and you know? So many people in this country don't even realize they're Americans. <laughs> you know, so it's really, you know, it's like, it, it's so interesting to me. For me, that said a lot. Yeah. He's also, um, he was... He was uh, what Ben Carson is now. Like, that was his job. He was the housing guy. He was HUD, the head of HUD. But he actually the, knew what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, under the Obama administration. <laughs> um, Julian is very uh, passionate about the homeless, mm -hmm. which is actually something that we don't talk about enough in, in like, presidential races. Oh, my God. The whole thing uh, when Trump was here last week. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He was going to solve L.A.'s homeless problem. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I am from L.A., born and raised. Yeah. I lived in Philadelphia in my 20s, but I came back. Yeah. I have seen the homeless population here rise yes. and the problems, and nobody's fixing it. And I would love a candidate to talk about this because it's— it's not just here. He actually, like, Julian has a, uh, a plan that proposes to end all homelessness by, like, 2024 or something. Really? Just be, I mean, he when he went to Vegas, one of the first visits he went to Vegas, he toured the underground tunnels where the homeless lived and talked to the homeless to talk, to, to talk about what their biggest issues are, mm -hmm. like, what they were worried about. And that, for me, like, to, again, to remind people that the homeless are people with faces and hearts and souls, that means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. But also, it's like... He's so specific. He has a he needs you as a spokesperson, by the way. He also has like, well, actually, like uh, I plan to do surrogate. Like I'm going to be his surrogate, which means that I would do events where I talk about what he's about. Yeah. Because, you know, again, for me, it's about to amplify the voice. Yeah. You know, um, but like he has a policy. He, you know, he went to Flint, Michigan. He has a policy about lead. Yeah. He has a policy about animals, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, taking care of uh, like wildlife, taking, like all of these things. He has like an extensive environmental plan that resonates with a lot of people, a lot of younger people, especially mm -hmm. because he's young compared to like the average, you know, age yeah. in the in the race. He's 45. He just turned 45. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I didn't... So, okay. you know, for me, I support him because... I think his ideas are worth researching. Mm -hmm. And I 
think that the media, the news media, um, hasn't given him a fair shot. Do you think it's because he's of Latino descent? Yes. And I think it's because they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Because, again, we get depicted in negative storylines all the time. But, you know, my whole con- my whole problem is when there's something negative that happens in the news, we never interview Latinos to talk about that issue on no. TV. And it's so, rare that a journalist of, of Latino yeah, descent yeah, yeah. gets to absolutely. that story. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you know, I mean, think about it. Look. Jorge Ramos, mm-hmm. household name in Latino households for Univision? decades. Mm-hmm. When he had the press conference with Trump in 2016, when he got thrown out, he started trending on Twitter and everybody's like, who is this guy? And I'm like, how do you not yeah. know who Jorge Ramos is? I was like, is? my abuela watches him every yeah, night. How do you not know who he is? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's funny how like someone that's so notable in our community mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like he had his own debutante ball like a couple years ago. You know who ago. Don Francisco is? No, I don't. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you're doing a reboot of the show. Really? I think they're bringing him back. Oh. But, you know, so but it's this thing where like, um, I don't think that the media knows how to. I don't honestly. I, I I don't think the media knows how to rep- like how to cover a lot of candidates. Yeah, I, they go for ratings, which we learned in the 2016 election. You know, uh, they go you would for think ratings. They've learned their lesson with what happened. You you know, their lesson. What lesson are they going to learn, Yolanda? That, that like when you get a, a guy like Trump, that the ratings are gold because the stories are crazy. Like you know what I mean? What did they learn from that mistake? And that they don't more, care. Like hate crimes are going to happen. That they can cover. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? It's like, look, I mean, you know, it's like, again, I'm not this like radical, like progressive person from the left. I'm not Democrat or Republican. Mm-hmm. For me, I I want to criticize both sides. Yeah. I want to criticize everyone because we're all fucked. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, we're all so fucked. It's like this thing where like um, this election, this election is about like putting a Band-Aid mm-hmm. over the shit that Trump did. Yeah. So basically what happens, what's expected of us. Is that whoever gets the nomination, we have to support regardless if we don't want Trump in the That's office. That's essentially yeah. my position. Yeah. But I know, like, I, I'm i undecided on the candidate that which I'm rooting for. And yeah. usually I'm very early on, like, when the last one, I'm like, Hillary all the way. I'm like, she knows right, right, policy, right. Yeah, 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 she knows yeah. this, she knows that. Um, but this time I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really want Biden. I'm not really into Bernie. I'm like, uh... Well, you know, I, and I, look, you're actually very normal i mean there's a, a lot of look i'm a i'm a political like geek mm-hmm. i love politics you know especially because like as a latina like mm-hmm. my i have been going on the road for years canvassing in latino neighborhoods in both english and spanish trying to get us to vote you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i think it is very important we have been neglected for far too long we're far too important to this country both economically like mm-hmm. it, like we make this country run on a level that people don't understand. Yeah. You know, but I mean, look, there's a lot of people that don't know who they're going to run for because also uh, voting for because there's a lot of people out yeah. there. Do you know? No, no idea. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still undecided. Like most, And you're like the generation that's like most active now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, last election cycle, I felt like there was an overall sense of just like. Um, apathy and like people just didn't you know because that's that's just how yeah. it is you yeah. know unfortunately and then you get and then people like are watching Trump and they see what he's saying they think it's hilarious but they don't do anything to like combat that it's it's yeah. because we have this cynicism 
So yeah. that's a thing that we yeah. have to constantly battle, especially on social media. Like when I post something political, people always say, what's the point? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And the right. what's yeah. the point will kill us because yeah. it's that thing where people don't understand. Everyone's online now. Children are online. My daughter, yeah. Is that well, the she's lesson? not allowed on social media yet. Yeah, yeah you know, like, yeah. Is, is that the lesson you want kids to see? That it's yeah. pointless right from the get-go? Because that's, that's what we're teaching them. It's crazy. Right. That gener- this generation, my daughter, she's the one that told me that I needed to focus on Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Because it was far too long that girls didn't have a voice. And why is it taking this long for even a girl to be considered? Like, she was telling me all this. I'm the Smart just, daughter. Yeah, I was looking at her. I was like, this is my, like, eight, she was like eight, seven, eight at that point. I was like, how is my... My kid telling me all these things. Yeah. The Castro <laughs> family and I get along really well. Again, that doesn't mean that if they did anything messed up, fucked up, that I wouldn't mm-hmm. call them out. Because honestly, the people that you're close to are the ones that should be calling you out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, this isn't like, again, it's not an, an allegiance. It's not like I'm like the supporter that I was talking about earlier, the kind that just want their team to win. Like, yeah. I want what's best for like the like the biggest amount of people in this country. Like I for me it's like it's not about having an allegiance or a fandom to a certain person. Mm-hmm. I want someone that gets the fucking job done. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Julian the Castro brothers and I and their mother Rosie, they're lovely people and we get each other. And that's actually why like I hate promoting myself. <laughs> I hate it. Like Detest it. It's, so, the, I, it's like me. I hate writing bios about myself. I'm like, oh, no, the bio. Yeah, those are those are always the worst. The bios are so because you know what? Because because the bios people don't understand. They're so important. They're so fucking important. I hate them. Because, no, yeah. Because people, when you're doing things in the future, people will Google you, and sometimes that bio will pop up, and then you hear them. I've been at so many events, like at panels or speeches that I give, where. Like they start giving the bio and I'm like, oh my God, you wrote, th- like you read that bio. Like, that's, like, that's like an old ass bio. Like, oh my God, what are we doing? That's yeah. an old ass bio. So like, I hate promoting myself. Part So I wrote the book. It's the first book I've written. And uh, again, I'm one of the few like Latinas that I know personally that personally that I'm glad you know yourself is writing but do we but do, do we, we, do we, we you know like but it's this thing where um there weren't a lot of people that I can I could have asked for support mm-hmm. so you kind of have to figure it out yourself yeah you know and uh one of the things that I hated doing was I got a, an email from my uh editor Rakesh that y'all and um, he said, you need to ask people to read the book and give you quotes. Oh, the blurbs, the book the blurbs. blurbs. I have heard other writers hating the blurb Yolanda, thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would rather, like, run down naked. It's on like, here, this, like, gush real. about me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you also want people, I know, like, tell me how much you love me. Here's tell like, me you know, how amazing yeah. I am. But you also want to find people that will actually uh, write something worth reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I see so many comics that write books and they get more famous comics to write about them. And their blurbs are always like. It's like a joke. Yeah. Right? It's like, like, yeah. It's something like, hey, Cristela's hilarious. Read the book. You'll know why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, you know what I mean? So, like, it's that thing where I'm like, wow. Oh, who am I gonna pick? Like, who do I ask? 
Who do write my blurb? Yeah. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you want that. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was like, so I'm like, who do I ask? And I thought, well, who do I trust? Who do I trust to read the book? Who do I respect? And uh, the first person I asked was Julian. Mm. And Julian read my book and gave me a blurb. Aww. And it was like this thing where I'm like, he didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? He took he took the time to do that during his campaign. Aww. And he just wanted to help. And, you know, and it was this thing where he just wanted to help because, you know, he knew that I wanted it. Yeah. Didn't have to do that. And for me, that says so much about him because mm-hmm. a lot of people in the middle of a presidential election campaign, they wouldn't do it. They're too busy trying to win Iowa. You know what I mean? So, like, for me, that was really sweet. So, like, the blurbs I ended up getting were uh, Julian Castro, Dolores Huerta. <gasps> I got... Um, Icon. <laughs> I know. I, she's my mentor. Like, we've been friends for... God, we've been friends for, like, five years or something. I mean, but, like, we're friends. Like, we oh, have gone on road trips together. Like, she, So, it's, like, Julian Castro, Dolores Huerta, Whoopi Goldberg, really? and Wanda Sykes. Oh my god! So it was. It was like Whoopi. Let me tell you, Whoopi, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you this story that I hardly ever tell. First of all, Whoopi and Wanda both uh, have been so. Um, they've been so important to me in lessons that I've learned from them, that they've taught me. Um, I was in. I was on the View. That 2014, 2015 mm-hmm. year, right? I was guest hosting. This is right before they offered me the job. And I was in town and I watched... Uh, I, oh, we taped the the, uh, the show and Whoopi and I really liked each other. Like, mm-hmm. I loved her. Like, there was this one point where one day I saw her shoes. She wears a different pair of shoes every day. <laughs> she wore these, like, really cool, like, red uh, transparent Adidas, kind of like oh, loafers. Wow. And I looked at them and I'm like, those are dope shoes, Whoopi. And Whoopi's like, what size are you? And I was like, eight and a half. She takes them off and she gives them to me. Oh, my God. And I was like, I can't take your shoes. <laughs> you know, and she's like, no, 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 I want you to have them. And she gave them to me. Like, I have them. Like, I have Whoopi's shoes, right? Like, that's who she is. Oh, wow. So then that night, uh, I had told her, she asked me what I was going to do in town, and I said that night I was going to go see uh, Cabaret, the, mm-hmm. m- the musical Cabaret with uh, Emma Stone. Oh, the, you know, like, yeah, I so forgot like, she did that. Yeah, yeah, she did it. <laughs> like, yeah, so I went to see it. I love the show. Uh, you know, like, um, I watch it, blah, blah, blah. The next day, I go into The View, and uh, Whoopi's there. And she's like, hey, da, 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 how was the show? And I was like, the show is great. I mean, great production. It really bummed me out, though, because I realized that um, as a Latina, I could never play Emma Stone's part. Mm. I could never play, you know, Sally Bowles. Yeah. I was actually, I, I, I was a play production drama major. Yeah. And my, my professor literally told me, you're great. But you know, there's no no roles for Spanish girls right, unless yeah. you know how to dance. Yeah, then you can do West Side Story. Well, that, my voice teacher in college said, as an as a Latina in theater, you could do West Side Story and Chorus Line. And I did a tour of West Side Story, and I did a tour of Chorus Line, and I was like, that's done. And it was at mm-hmm. that time where Rent was uh, becoming huge, but wasn't a thing. You know, that was light years time, yeah. light years before Hamilton. Yeah. So that is so Whoopi or in the Heights. So I tell so I tell you know I tell Whoopi like it just bums me out that I can't play Sally Bowles. 
And Whoopi looks at me. And she's like, who the fuck told you you can't play Sally Bowles? Oh, I love her. You know, and I was like, I was like, well, I mean, look at her. She's like, no, 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 no. Like it's no. Germany, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, historically, I don't think I fit. And she was like, no, let me tell you, you can fucking play Sally Bowles. You can play whatever the fucking thing you want. He's like, she's like, you think that my career was based on shit I could play? She's like, I made that shit happen. She's like, no, you don't tell yourself no. You fucking tell yourself yes. that you can fucking do it. You pick a role and you go after it. If they're not going to give you that role, you fucking, you you put it on yourself. She's like, you put that shit on yourself so that you could be that character. She's like, no, you don't tell yourself you can't do it. You ask yourself, how the fuck can I do it? And I was like, that moment, I was like, that moment. Whoopi, adopt me. <laughs> Whoopi was like, it, it, you know, I hear so many people say that like, like a lot of the black community, like, they have been so helpful and inspirational to a lot of Latinos, mm -hmm. you know? That was a perfect example. Like, there are certain situations where you see this familiarity with each other where it's not about being black or Latino. It's about being underrepresented. Yeah. And it's about being marginalized. And that story was one of those stories, like, with Whoopi that I'm like, I will always fucking remember it. And it just shows you that... Even when you think you have it figured out, there's so much shit to learn that you don't even you don't even know. And in order to learn it, you have to be willing to learn it. And you have to learn it from people that that might be out of the blue. I never thought I was ever going to meet Whoopi Goldberg. I never thought that I was, you know, I never thought that I emailed her terrified asking like, hey, Whoopi, I hope you're good. Um would you mind reading my book and giving me like you know like what I mean? When I was terrified to ask you to come on. I was like, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what did I tell you when I? What did I tell you? Like, I told you. Yeah. It's like I I want to do the podcast because I know I know how fucking hard it is sometimes to find people that will do shit. It's like pretty please, you know. And it's like yeah, because I've seen you tweet about like. I've seen you tweet about like certain festivals and stuff That's where so like hard. where people tell like where people say no to the interviews. Mm -hmm. You know, like they can they have they suddenly have time for this fucking like blogger group or whatever, but for some reasons they can't make time for like for you. You know, yeah. like whatever mm -hmm. it is and it's like no 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 no. It's like no. We can again, we cannot move forward until we pay attention to who the fuck needs help. And mm -hmm. by help, just meaning like pay attention to what they need and fucking show up. Like when you told me that you wanted to do this podcast, I looked at my schedule and I thought, this is what I've got free. I'm going to fucking try to make it work. I was so happy. I was like, I got Christina. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, was, I was like, can you? Um, <laughs> like, it's all me. I'm like, here you go. I know. It's like, why are you whispering in a DM? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't even understand how that happens. Like, I'm just going to slide into her DM. Hi. <laughs> But you were awesome, and I wish we had so much more time because I feel like I can talk to you forever and ever because there's so much experiences in your book in which I share. What did you think about the book? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The whole tie to the pop culture thing. I I actually, I can't tell you, um, I don't remember when I learned to speak either language. Yeah. Because for, for all my life, I've spoken both. That's what I assumed. Yeah, my, me too. Yeah, my yeah, grandparents yeah. spoke only Spanish, very limited English, and my mom was... She was she immigrated here when she was like 12 
And she had me when she was 19. So she definitely used English a lot more unless she was mad at me or my friends oh, yeah, were over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was yelling at me in Spanish. I call that the default language. Yes. <laughs> like it's my like, friends I, knew yeah. when to clear out because for everything else, it was, it was Jolie, Jolie, Jolie. And then suddenly when she was mad at me, Jolanda, <laughs> and my friends were like, okay, we're out of here. Bye. <laughs> like they would just see in the tone. Yeah. But, um, the pop culture connection yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely like but for us it was it was more movies and music yeah because my mom was very into uh motown oh cool yeah that's awesome so it was but she she was definitely i mean she and also for my my story is like my i am the stereotype my mom had me young she was yeah. a single mother she was a chola yeah. my, so was my dad he was a cholo so it's rare that i get to talk about that because yeah. i i it's like i'm barely breaking out of that shame cuz it's like well it's it's, a, a it's ingrained in you yeah. it's ingrained my grandfather was a janitor yeah so it's like it, there's weird mm. look the thing about stereotype is that like uh, we talk about stereotypes as um uh, caricatures mm-hmm. But there's actually a truth in a stereotype. Yeah. And there actually has to be like a, I always feel like there has to be a sub word that describes like living the typical life that people think is typical. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like actually living that life because there is, it is someone's truth. It's not everybody's truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I get it. You know, like for me, it was really hard to talk about being really poor. Yeah. And like the, how I grew up and everything. But you know, it's like once you embrace it, you, you get empowered by yeah. it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't think we were poor, but I also lived in a, like a household that had my grandparents, my mom, then my stepdad, then uncles. Everyone, yeah. So it's like everybody was contributing in sure. the high sh- household, but I still think we were like lower middle class. No, totally. now, that, now that I think about it, um, never got brand name shoes, right. never got brand name clothes. My sister got all the hand-me-downs. Yeah, she yeah, hated yeah. that. Um, but for us, it wasn't so much music. It was movies. My yeah. mom would save up. And we would go to the movies. We'd watch five movies in one day because for, for her, it was definitely an escape. Yeah. And then when we went back home, the whole thing about you guys getting cable, I totally got that because yeah. I was eight years old when we got cable. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was MTV, VH1, yeah. and she or she got HBO. Yeah. So And it was crazy watching my grandma. Like My grandma loved horror films yeah. and Die Hard and yeah. Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme. My mom, my, mom, my mom was a Jackie Chan, Jackie Jean-Claude, Chan, exactly. Steven Seagal. Like, my mom like, in another life was a spy that could kick some ass. Like loved those movies. But when I tell people that, they're like, but how would... I'm like, those movies, they translate. I'm like, you don't need to know the yeah. language to know that Jackie Chan can kick your ass. Yeah. You like, don't need to Jackie know. Chan isn't kicking in an Asian accent. Like, exactly. he's just kicking. Like, he, like he's a yeah. masterful. He's master. A kick is a kick. Yeah. Action is action. Yeah. So uh, when I tell, like, they don't understand how that was my, it's like, no, no, I started watching horror movies when I was like four years old because yeah. that was what they could understand. Absolutely. So I grew up with it. I yeah. don't have a fear of Plus, we're, you know, Latino culture, we think, you know, everything's like supernatural or superstitious. And I'm like, no, I grew up being told that ghosts were watching me constantly. So why was I going to be afraid of horror films? Totally. (laughs) So, but I really want to thank you. Thank you so much. I wish we had like a billion hours. It was very fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure we'll have you back on maybe when you get another Netflix special or a new show or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got it. You got it, man. Oh, I, uh, it's by my own choice. I have actually been asked to pitch shows and asked to do things, and I just, I'm not in the mood right now. Yeah. No, 
do it's it like, at your own you know, time. It's like, I'll do it when I'm ready. It's, when you know. you're ready. And we'll be here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that was way too fun. It was I, great. I could have talked to her forever and I know. ever. Yeah. It was like one of those things where it's like, I could tell on your face that you were just like super excited for this entire thing you were like totally the energy in the room was great she's amazing and i really do hope she comes back sometime which means we actually you you guys gotta listen to us man <laughs> so yeah. this was the latinx factor yes it was me yolanda machado yes and sometimes me griffin and you a little bit here but basically just to be made fun of for eating casseroles but uh guys <laughs> the most important thing is for you all to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts whether it be on itunes spotify stitcher uh, wherever the hell you do that, go find Latinx Factor. Still, still getting used to this whole thing. Go find it on there. Subscribe to it. Leave us a rating and a review because it really helps out the show. It helps us get noticed. It lets us know what you are liking and what you want to see more of. Uh, Yolanda, where can everyone find you on Twitter? Um, on Twitter, it is Sassy Mama in LA. I will never change it and get used to yelling because I yell a lot. Yeah, that's true. She does, she does a great job. Of, <laughs> I yell at uh, him too. Of aggravating. No, I don't. I don't yell at you yet. No, not yet. I just yet. call you grumpy. We'll, we'll, we'll probably get into that a little later. And, uh, if, they want to, and if they want to read uh, some of your stuff, where can they go for that? Honestly, I, I share everything on Twitter um, because I'm everywhere. You, you know, I'm everywhere. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Well, be sure to uh, tweet at her your thoughts on the show and all that good stuff. And um, uh, what about, share your... I was getting to oh, it. To, uh, oh, excuse me. Come on, come yeah, on, come okay. on. Okay, all right. Yeah, and if you if you really like me for whatever reason uh, and you like what I have to say. If you want to know more about casseroles. <laughs> if you want to know more about casseroles, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right. I think this is going to do it for episode one. Thank you so much for joining and hope to hear, well, hope you come back. Yep, that's how they're going to come back. 